All right. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It is just after 422 uh, in the uh, Eastern Time Zone, my name is Dean Millard. Welcome back. Uh, if you did pop out for a quick drink uh, to Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily here on uh, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, our Twitch channel, uh, and our uh, YouTube, and of course, uh, we put this show out in a podcast format, audio format. If you would like to get that, uh, check it out on uh, your commute or uh, whatever it is uh, where you listen to your podcast. All right, uh, time to bring in a good friend of mine and uh, a guy who uh, is responsible for a lot of great things that have happened uh, in UFFS and particularly UFHL. Uh, he is known as the insider, uh, Larry Fisher, joining me back on the show. Uh, great to see you once again, my man, on this show. And uh, I know... Uh, that you have to be just uh, as excited as everybody else about uh, tomorrow night and the start of the NHL season and not having to see preseason games anymore. Um, excited? Is this is this sort of like uh, Christmas Eve uh, a little bit for you? It's the season of optimism, Dean. Everybody's excited uh, in, in 32 different uh, NHL cities and, and 32 different uh, UFHL franchises uh, this is Christmas Eve for, for the hockey world, and, and obviously that preseason drags on a little long. I think everybody was ready to get it going, but we've seen some roster moves uh, in both leagues over the last 24, 48 hours, and opening night rosters are getting set, and the, the puck will drop uh, with the, the two games tomorrow night, so can't wait. Strange with those early games as well uh, in Europe that, you know, there's still preseason games going on. I'm sure most head-to-head leagues are just rolling it into one, kind of like you do at the All-Star game. But uh, certainly when you're in leagues as uh, detailed as as we have in the UFHL, it it takes some uh, working to, to work around regular season games while the preseason is still going on and waiver moves. Uh, but it's it's amazing. This time every year, I, I mean, there, there you could do definitely uh, reality shows on July 1st of the trade deadline. You could probably do one around now in the NHL with the amount of names that hit waivers and the speculation if anybody's going to get claimed because the reality is every team is trying to sneak somebody through so they don't always have room to say, oh, that guy's available. Let's Let's sneak him onto our roster. Five of 64 in the NHL got claimed today, Dean. So that's actually, you know, I always set the the over-under at about two or three, you know. So five would have been the over today. Uh, A couple surprising guys like a Jared Tenorti uh, going to Chicago. But again, a team like Chicago, Luke Richardson, he's going to want to play a a big, tough style. They didn't have a lot of toughness there. So they're bringing in somebody to protect uh, as they bring in some some young guys and certainly going forward to have him in their system, but uh, some surprising claims there. And I believe Dean, there's going to be, you know, more than a similar number, probably close to 64 or 50 plus in the UFHL uh, tomorrow as well, hitting the waiver wire. So it'll be interesting to see if the UFHL has five claims uh, or less. I I think again, you can set the over under at two or three, but certainly there's uh, potential for some musical chairs with goaltenders uh, among other positions. Uh, in the UFHL, and, and again, everybody's trying to fit, find that one last piece to the puzzle uh, before before the real games get going on Tuesday. Like I said, Dean, that, the two early games in Europe, a uh, very strange scenario because San Jose and Nashville, they didn't have to be cap compliant. They didn't have to be down to 23 players. They were carrying 27. So they still had to make all their cuts today and, and get compliant for, for the rest of the regular season now as well. But uh, Everybody's excited, and, and Nashville's already uh, two points or four points up on the rest of the field, having swept that global series. You know, I'm I'm just looking at the like the auction page for the UFHL today is just massive because all these teams are are trying to sneak guys through waivers. Uh, we we have made one claim, definitely. We're we're, we're going to try and make a claim uh, in the UFHL for a player as well. I'm I'm not going to just say who it is uh, just yet, but uh, we will try and take a, a player off there. I don't know if we'll get him or not, but you know, this is a, it's an interesting way to kind of speculate because most of these guys that are being put on waivers have already been put on waivers in the NHL. So they're not going to do you any good. You're hoping that they're the first call up or something like that. If you have room, because they got to go on your active roster. And the NHL, Dean, a lot of these waiver moves, you have to remember, are cap gymnastics. A guy like Mike Riley, a guy like Nick Felino, they're probably not going to the AHL. They're going to be on the NHL roster. Ironically, both those players are available on UFHL waivers as well. Likely their franchise 
Well, in the Gators case, Dean, uh, they're not cap compliant to start the year. They That's could right. be if they put Laurent Brassois, their backup goaltender, on LTIR, which Vegas is going to do. That saves like $2.3 million, and then they'd have to waive a guy like Alex Bray boulet or somebody to that effect. So, uh, And that would give them the $3 million cap space they need. But they also had the option of let's just waive Mike Riley, get a bidding war going, because there are teams that have cap room in the UFHL. Uh, see who wants to get in a bidding war on Mike Riley, take back that score coin for our operating budget this year within the UFHL, and then, you know, wait and see what happens with Brassois or, or still put him on LTIR and give themselves a, a little more cap space to maybe go out and claim a different player that they like more. But uh, definitely interesting times in, in both the NHL and the UFHL and seeing a lot of the same names hit the waiver wire in, in both leagues. We'll see if uh, a guy like Mike Riley can sneak through in the UFHL, but I'm sure, uh, Teams with cap space see a player like him to be quite valuable despite the price tag. And, and not surprising, it's why uh, um, the Gators put Bear Boulay on the trade block today because they're going to put him on waivers right away. The same reason we were trying to trade Nick Patan uh, before we put him on waivers and things like that. So you try to get anything you can, and if not, uh, you, you put him in your reserve list or you, you get the uh, the money back for operating costs. Well, uh, speaking of uh, some of those teams that you were just talking about and the Gators in particular, uh, they are one of your top 10 teams as we reveal Larry Fisher's power rankings. Highly coveted, uh, very much uh, people looking forward to these rankings, especially after the Belly Up podcast rankings came out over the weekend and really ruffled some feathers. Not duck feathers, we liked where they had us, but ruffled a lot of feathers. And we know these power rankings. I I don't know why, Larry. I think there's a bit of insecurity with some franchises when they see their teams up here. I have zero problem seeing Duckman's down low because we haven't been very good, and we want to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. So I think there's a bit of an insecurity issue with some franchises when they see power rankings. Let's see what your power rankings do to the rest of the league. Uh, I'll give you the floor to take us through your power rankings. To start, Dean, I'll just preface it by saying parody is alive and well in the UFHL. Uh, there are tiers here, you know, uh, including, you know, Duckman's, uh, you know, down low, but up 12 spots from where you finished last season speaks to the, the work that Duckman's domination put in in the offseason, acquiring stars like Nikita Kucherov. But to go from 32 to 20 is a big jump. But obviously, you mentioned all the other power rankings that are coming in. Uh, Commissioner Andrea Krandek's done a great job reaching out to different media outlets, getting them a, interested in the league, but B, get them uh, involved in, in doing power rankings. Hey, come check out our roster and, and our scoring system, and you tell us how you, an, an outsider opinion. If I'm the insider, we got some, some outsiders weighing in. Even Kyle Hall, you mentioned, Dean, the, the newest owner in the UFHL, bought the Warriors franchise. I got him ranked at number 30th overall going into the season, a potential Bedard lottery-type team. But uh, you look at Kyle's power rankings, he had the Bentley Jacks in the top 10, and I have them at 32. So uh, it's very interesting from one ranking to the next, Dean. But in my rankings and based on tiers, uh, one to five I got as a, as a top tier. Originally, I had it one, two, and then a, a second tier of three to, three to eight kind of thing. And, and the more I looked at it, the more I felt any of those top five teams are capable of winning the Founders Trophy, including the defending regular season champion Royals. Uh, I know there's a lot of, lot of I seen them uh, down in 17 on some and yeah. into the 20s. Uh, you know, the, the rebuild, maybe Arnie's word rebuild got stuck in a lot of people's heads uh, this offseason, but the Royals are still a force to be reckoned with. I think the Grizzlies, uh, especially with their, their rookies looking so well coming out of the preseason with Kuzmenko and Holloway, uh, looking like they'll be impactful players. The Grizzlies are strong. Red Army's a popular pick. Uh, I, I think all five belly up uh, podcast or all five belly up uh, writers picked Red Army at number one, as did Kyle Hall. That's totally plausible. Uh, very young team. They're a team that's a uh, franchise that's going to be able to maximize games played because they do have so many waiver exempt uh, prospects, rookies that are currently in the NHL. So look for Red Army to if if Jeff Ray wants to, he can maximize his games played at a level that other franchises can't. And a lot of young guys that should really take a jump this year uh, towards becoming, you know, point-per-game guys. Guys like Jack Hughes, uh, expect him to hit over 80 points. Trevor Zegras could be flirting within that, you know, 70-80 range. Uh, and Alexis Lafreniere is probably going to, this will be the year he pops as well. Uh, I still have the Yetis on top, Dean, uh, when, I, when, when the dust settled. 
Uh, I think Scott Lowater did a great job this offseason of realizing that defense and forward points in, in the UFHL are valued the same. Well, when it comes to shots on goal, all those sort of extra categories, forwards tend to contribute more than defensemen in the UFHL. Uh, he traded a lot of his high-priced defensemen in order to acquire uh, value contracts up front, including a guy like Nito Niederreiter, Dean, who scored uh, three goals in two games for his Nashville <laughs> debut. So I really think when you got Connor McDavid and uh, that group of 14 uh, forwards, including young Jake Neighbors rounding it out. But you look at that depth up front for the Yetis. The one thing I'll say, Dean, and games played again. If the Yetis get hit by injuries, that's what held them. That's what had them back uh, in, in eighth place uh, last season, uh, fighting for seventh, eighth, was they didn't have the games played. And they still don't have uh, a protected list for that next man up mentality, like teams like Rock Republic, Kamikaze, you know, even the Titans are a team that has. Uh, a number of guys, depending who clears waivers, that could be the next man up. So uh, when I look at the Yetis, uh, their, their opening night 23 is number one on my list. If they stay healthy, I think they're the team to beat uh, with Scott Lowater and, and Connor McDavid leading the way. All right. So uh, poll question that I've just put up on our Twitch chat. Whose rankings are most realistic? Larry, Kyle, belly up, none. <laughs> maybe somebody thinks none uh so everybody can go uh, and i think belly up is leading uh the way right now i i'm i'm with you on the royals at number two don't believe arnie like don't get sucked don't anybody out there get sucked into arnie's we're in a rebuild bull bleep you know what because they're not and and you you didn't see you you saw through that facade so i'm glad you did the monarchs are an interesting team because in some rankings they were below us and in others you have them in in the top 10 obviously they made a big splash what do you like about the monarchs love their forward group dean they got three lines that can score uh, again, the cap is starting to tighten up on them. It's funny, they had all the cap space in the world. They actually traded with the Royals, acquired Matthew Kachuk, and then Josh Norris signs, and then this guy's Anthony Sorelli signs, and all these contracts are coming in. Some of them don't kick in till next season, but all of a sudden, the Monarchs go from, you know, 15 million in cap space to a, a huge cap crunch going forward, especially with the next year contracts that kick in. But, I, you know, Rasmus Dahlin and Seth Jones on the point, and, and then, you know, stacked up front, very deep forward group. Uh, that's That forward group, I think, is going to light up the UFHL. A lot of young guys in their prime, you know, Dubois and Kachuk and those type of players. I really like what George Batchel and, and the Monarchs have done up front. Uh, goaltending is the big question mark, the big uh, concern there. They did acquire Jake Allen uh, in exchange for a shipped out anti-ranta, but they're not going to get many points in goal and the defense is middle of the pack average, even though they have Darlene and Jones at, at the top end. The rest of the defense is Work in progress. But for me, the Monarchs, uh, Dean, one of my surprise playoff teams. Uh, I, again, saying parity is alive and well in the UFHL. I actually went, Dean, with five new playoff teams from mm. last season in the UFHL, according to these power rankings. Uh, in that Allen Conference, the Monarchs are one of them, as well as the Godfathers, Dean. They kind of got the short end of the stick last season. They actually had more points than the Bentley Jacks and the Outlaws, but missed the playoffs based on the way the conferences worked. Uh, they since added Cole Caulfield, Seth Jarvis, uh, among others. The Godfathers, you know, guys like Rantanen, I think, uh, is going to have a big year again. So the Godfathers, I have uh, in my safely in my top 10 and as a playoff team, as well as the Monarchs. And uh, who's my other new one in, in that division? Is the Eliminators, Dean. The Eliminators, mm. Some people say the Eliminators bought a team this offseason. They use ScoreCoin as an asset, and, and they acquired a – uh, a lot of young talent, but a, a deep roster as well. They really shored up their goaltending. Uh, assuming Ale Alexander Georgiev plays well for Colorado and uh, Logan Thompson with the, the Vegas Golden Knights, although they have Martin Jones with the Seattle Kraken mm -hmm. as their number two right now. But that situation will play out. But I think the Eliminators have overtaken the Stingrays, which is a big statement uh, in that Lemieux division. And Arlo Schultz, he's definitely voting that uh, my rankings are the most unrealistic. He's probably going none because he ha he hates the power he rankings. Does. But the the reality is that the division winning Lemieux division winning Stingrays had to unload guys Taylor Hall, uh, Jordan Everly, Zach Wierenski, and they have no they have no goaltending as of today. They might claim a couple goaltenders tomorrow, Dean. But Cam Talbot's out to start the season. 
and they previously uh, walked away from Craig Anderson's contract uh, in Buffalo. So uh, they were planning, I'm assuming, on using the waiver wire, the trade to shore up the goaltending. But then when Cam Talbot got hurt and they already didn't have a backup and they have, as far as that next man up that I talked about from the Yetis, the Stingrays have the least depth in the UFHL. They don't have any players other than maybe Jake Christensen and Igor Sokolov or Yeager Sokolov in in Ottawa might play some games this year. But generally speaking, there's, there is no uh, next man up for the Stingrays. So they need their big guns to stay healthy. Uh, Still very much a, a, a playoff contender, but I have the eliminators inching ahead the brother-in-law battle. The brother-in-laws, uh, Luke Shawnwise, inching ahead of Schultz uh, in that Lemieux division for the third seed there. So Godfathers, Monarchs, and Eliminators in the Allen Conference, Dean. And then over in the Legends Conference, uh, I went with the Brutes and the Snipers in, and actually took out uh, the Bentley Jacks, which won't be a huge surprise because they're uh, mm-hmm. in the in the sweepstakes for the the be bad for Bedard race uh, their their affiliated scout has the rights to Bedard so they're looking uh, to already looking ahead to draft day as the one of the franchises from the UFHL but I also took out Dean the the reigning Klein Cup playoff champion Rock Republic as you see at number 22 on my power rankings they also had a bit of a sell off in the off season but the one thing that can help Rock Republic potentially still get into that last uh, playoff spot or into a playoff picture in the in the or division, Dean, is that next man up. They have a very deep protected list. A lot of their prospects are going to get NHL games this year. And if they have injuries, they're going to have guys that can come up. So uh, Rock Republic isn't out of it by any means. I kind of have a 16 to 25 tier now, Dean, uh, of playoff contenders. I think 6 to 15 are pretty much locked in. So uh, it's going to be a battle for those last couple playoff spots, last couple uh, wild card races should be intense and exciting in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Well, and it sounds like we might all have to move the Outlaws up in our rankings because uh, Nick Gottlieb has said a uh, boatload of moves coming for the Outlaws, one of which will be a blockbuster. So maybe we'll have to move them up. But we are going to move now uh, to the National Hockey League, which also gets underway tomorrow, as does the UFHL. Well, both of them got underway last week because we mirror everything about the NHL. So a lot of these award winners will probably be award winners in uh, the UFHL as well. Uh, But let's start with some individual uh, player awards. Uh, And we'll start right at the top. The big award, the number one award that every hockey player wants to win, whether you're a goalie, a forward, or a defenseman, and that is the Hart Trophy, which has really been debated the last little while when it comes to this. And and anybody that knows you probably already knows what your answer is, but lay it on us. Who's going to take down the Hart this year? Yeah, without a doubt, Dean, Connor McDavid is the, the most dynamic, talented hockey player in the NHL. He's the face of the league. He is the Hart Trophy winner. He probably should have been the Hart Trophy winner last season. 60 goals is a great accomplishment for Austin Matthews. But you saw in the playoffs, uh, Austin Matthews in the third period, down 2-1 against Tampa Bay. He couldn't elevate to take over the game. Then flip over to the Battle of Alberta and watch Connor McDavid take over a series, take over a game, uh, starting in the first round against Los Angeles. At the end of those playoffs, I don't think there was any doubt who the most dominant uh, force in hockey is. It's Connor McDavid, and I would be shocked if he doesn't uh, retake the throne as the Hart Trophy winner in uh it's going to take years for somebody to knock him off, in my opinion. He's the, the as close as it comes to the, the Gretzky. And I don't think Austin Matthews is the Lemieux to, to McDavid's Gretzky. I don't think he's quite on the same level. Yeah, as a shooter, uh, but not as certainly as a guy with that skill set that Mario Lemieux had. And listen, Mario Lemieux might have caught some of Gretzky's records had he been healthy. I don't think you'll ever see Austin Matthews outpoint Connor McDavid and I think you're going to see Connor McDavid motivated to score at least 50 this year and if he scores 50 and leads the league it's going to be pretty hard uh, to not give him uh, the heart trophy and and for you uh, the next graphic all I had to change was two words I had to change two words for the out Ross because obviously you're thinking McDavid's going to lead the league again. Yeah, that one's a slam dunk, I think. Barring injuries, I think Connor McDavid could play 60 games and miss 22 games to injury and still win the Art Ross. I think he's wow. that, that far ahead of the field. I think he could uh, flirt with 150 points this season, mainly because I think Edmonton's uh, 
only going to be better. They they added some more talent up front. The power plays, you know, as lethal as it gets in the league. I think a guy like Evan Bouchard's going to have a bigger impact. Obviously, a full season of Evander Kane on one wing and and to be determined on the other wing. I, and I think Edmonton's going to find a way to bring in, you know, I think the the championship window is open in Edmonton now. And I think Ken Holland uh, is going to be aggressive this year. I think that 2023 first round picks on the table and they're going to try to bring in a guy like Patrick Kane at, at the deadline or somebody like that with retained salary to, to really give McDavid that stretch run in playoffs, uh, another uh, impact player as a line mate. But yeah, I think he's going to run away with the Art Ross if he's healthy. And I think he can hang on even if he misses uh, 15 to 20 games. That would be uh, that would be kind of Lemieux and Gretzky esque if he was uh, to miss that much uh, that much time and still do it. But he was so he got such a fast start last year that he was so far ahead of everybody that that he could uh, still do that. All right, so if the heart and or the Art Ross is a slam dunk, I think most people are agreeing with you when it comes to the Rocket Richard. So lay us lay it on us why you think it's going to be a repeat performance. Yeah, Dean, these aren't uh, surprises. These aren't the boldest, uh, most fearless predictions as far as uh, the the first few award winners. But Austin Matthews, he does have the best shot in hockey. Uh, Mitch Marner's a great playmaker. They have a great chemistry. Their power plays. uh, If Edmonton's number one, Toronto might be number two or three, uh, maybe behind Tampa as far as the the most lethal power play units. So, uh, again, he had 60 goals last season. I think he'll be in that range again. I think he can be a perennial you know, 55-plus goal guy, again, providing he stays healthy. Uh, I think Austin Matthews is, is great for the game. He's got a great personality, brings a, a little bit different element than Connor McDavid, obviously. But uh, two young superstars and, and, and no Austin Matthews. I do think he's going to win the Rock, but I don't think he'll be as uh, touted for the Hart Trophy as he was last season. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And if that one was predictable, um, anybody who doesn't, like, it was, it's probably, this is as close to unanimous as you're going to get for the Norris Trophy this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Connor McDavid being the most dominant player in hockey when the playoffs ended. Kale McCarr might be number two on that list right now. Uh, you know, obviously, fantasy-wise, you might lean to some of the other forwards, whether it's uh, Matthews or Dreisaitl or, or, you know, Ovechkin still, whoever, uh, depending on your cat- category setup. But an actual uh, starting a league from scratch, if the NHL threw all the names back in the hat and they pick teams tomorrow, I think Connor McDavid's number one. I would think that Kale McCarr might be number two ahead of Austin Matthews. That's how dominant he is as a defenseman. And I think I said, Dean, that uh, I would take McCarr in the top five in, in a fantasy draft. And then I wouldn't take another defenseman probably in the top 20. So, he separated himself as the, the top offensive defenseman, but you watch him play one-on-one uh, against Connor McDavid in that Colorado-Edmonton uh, uh, conference final. Uh, he's the one player that, that uh, skates fast enough backwards to, to keep stride and thinks the game on the same level as McDavid. McDavid's super fast, but he's also thinking two steps ahead. McCarr can keep up with him. So he's a, he's a shutdown defender as much as he is a, an offensive specialist. He's a great two-way player. And uh, he has a great partner in Devin Taves. That's the, the NHL's top defense pairing uh, by a mile. But Kale McCarr for the, the Norris Trophy, without a doubt. I mean, Kale McCarr um, could go on a really good run here. If the NHL gives the award to the to the player who, who should get it, like when Gretzky was winning Hart Trophies over everybody... Kale McCarr should go on like a Lidstrom, Dominic Hasek, Paul, like the guys that won the awards for years. He should be able to to go to to drop one of those three, four year runs as long as he's healthy of winning this award. Yeah, him him on defense and McDavid up front. I really yeah. think it's going to be uh, those two. That's why I say if you if you were starting the NHL from scratch tomorrow and whatever team had first overall pick, I don't think you can't pick McDavid first. But at number two. I think you can absolutely make a case uh, in the real world to take McCarr number two ahead of Matthews or Dreisaitl or anybody else in the game. So I think Kale McCarr is uh, an absolute superstar coming off his first Stanley Cup win in that playoff performance. And uh, he's a young guy. He's under 25. I think he's just going to, he's still just kind of realizing how good he can be. And I think offensively, that's where, you know, uh, I don't think he's going to score 50 goals as a defenseman, Dean, but I think he could 
you know, we saw Roman Josie hit 90 points last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Kale McCarr has a 100-point season, whether it's this season or in the next couple. I think he's that good from the back end. Paul Coffey at 47. Uh, that would be incredible if Kale McCarr took a run at that. But at least 100 points would be something that we haven't seen from a blue liner. I mean, Yossi season, and Yossi season almost got, like, brushed to the side because McCarr was so good and, and 90 points is unbelievable. All right. So all the picks so far, I've agreed with you. This is where we disagree. And I'll preface this by saying I'm not bullish on any Tampa Bay player, not named Kucherov this year, because he's really the only guy who hasn't been all in on these runs. Stamkos was injured and didn't play somebody, but I think Stamkos, I think Hedman, I think Vasilevsky, who we're going to talk about next. I think a lot of these guys are taking a step backwards. Kucherov, because he hasn't played, and he's on my team. I would never wish ill karma towards a guy on my fantasy team. But I'm not bullish on Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay players because it's got to catch up to you at some point. This is your pick for the Vesna. This is the first one we disagree on. There's a lot of hard miles on that Tampa Bay roster. You're absolutely right, Dean. Uh, and, they, and they lost players from last season. They didn't really add this offseason. The cap continues to be a challenge there, uh, having to extend guys uh, going forward. Uh, but for me, with, with the fact that the roster isn't as strong, if Tampa's still going to win that Atlantic division, it's going to be, you know, for, Vasilevsky gets forgotten about a lot uh, uh, because the forwards and the defense have been so good on Tampa that, oh, he's just the, the goaltender. Well, now he's going to have to step up his game in order for Tampa to main that championship level and I do think you know a bit of an adrenaline dump the hard miles catching up I think uh in order for Tampa to be a a, a division winner a conference champion uh in the regular season a lot of it is going to ride on Vasilevsky and although he's played a ton of hockey and you know when does his body break down he's such a big strong man back in goal and and you know Brian Elliott might get a few more games this year but I really think uh, this is the year that Andre Vasilevsky can establish himself as the real franchise player in Tampa and the reason they, they are still a, a potential contender. You know, they, they fell short of the three-peat Dean coming up against a juggernaut like the Colorado Avalanche. But I don't think that, uh, again, the adrenaline dump factor is real and, and maybe they're not as motivated now that uh, they've won two cups and, and the core group is sort of... Uh, getting a little older, but I really think Vasilevsky's the one guy who can make those big saves night in, night out, and keep Tampa as a, you know, don't sleep on Tampa. They're still a, a force and a cutter, and I really think uh, for the Vesna, I know there's a lot of other good rushing goaltenders around the league, but I really yeah. think uh, Vasilevsky, for me, is, is the guy. This is the year he steps up and shows that as good as Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and Hedman are, I'm the reason Tampa's as good as the Lightning are, and, and I think Andre Vasilevsky could win the, the, the Vesna. That would be the argument for him winning the Vesna, is that he is the best player in Tampa Bay. Well, it, it could be you. You could be right. I mean, look at this guy. Who is this, Benjamin Button? Like, did, where did we get this photo from? His rookie year? Like, this guy looks like he's getting younger. The Tampa Bay Lightning have Benjamin Button in goal, and by, like, the end of his career, he's going to be, like, look like he was just drafted. He looks like he found the fountain of youth. So maybe maybe you're right. I'm, I'm not sure. You know what I love, Larry? I love when... People we talk about are watching. Listen to this tweet that I got at Duck Millard. No insecurity, maybe some eagerness to be seen. We are very proud of our off-season work and felt a 32 ranking was inconsistent with our retool. Big trade coming to just scratch us off your bottom 10 and put us in the playoff chase. Hashtag sale with the stars. That's from, from Cam Turner of the North Stars. I'm telling you, when you get upset because you're ranked 32, there, there's there's a little bit of uh, secure insecurity and ego. I know you're eager, and I know you guys have improved, and I'm not saying you're 32, but when you get freaked out and worked out, like there was some f upset people in that Telegram chat the other day, that, and they, you know, I, I'm telling you, that means you're... You're just not sure. And I love stirring the and, pot. You know that, Larry. And I think, Dean, I think, honestly, I think they, they look at their roster and they get, uh, I'm not just saying the North Stars. I'm saying every NHL team, every year, you, you fall in love with your own team. You do, yes. especially yes. the NHL. You've drafted and developed your core, and the North Stars have made a ton of moves that they feel are upgrades. They wouldn't make trades unless they thought they were winning them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you look on paper, your depth 
Chargers do feel like, hey, we this is our year to challenge. And they made some big, impressive moves. Got guys like Logan Couture. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously they had Jason Robertson and Matt Duchesne already. And, and they brought in a guy like Pajot who's going to get a lot of shorthanded time on ice and some of the new categories. And uh, their defense, I think, is going to have a ton of shorthanded time on ice that will really bump them up. So uh, new categories in the UFL. There's a lot of, a lot of balls in play. But uh, – I really think the North Stars improved. I think I had them at 31 last year and bumped them to 26. So, again, up five spots. They've made strides, but I don't think they're uh, capable of challenging. And they have the misfortune of being stuck in that Gretzky division, Dean, which is the deepest division in in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. It's it's eight deep now because the North Stars are trying to compete. But, again, I think the Godfathers, the Monarchs, some of these other franchises took bigger steps forward this season. But I'll I'll swing it back to you on the – the, the Vesna debate, because I went with Vasilevsky. I know you had another name in mind. Yeah, Shesterkin. I, I think he takes over. Uh, and, I, and you know what? Kyle Hall, last week, who bought the Warriors today, is that he him and I were talking, and I didn't realize the Rangers had as good a mix of veterans and rookies as they do. I think they're going to win that division. I think they're – I think – there, you know, the the rain. I haven't done. I'll do my Stanley Cup predictions tomorrow. But hint, I think the Rangers are are going to be a, a real strong candidate for a Final Four team for me. And I think Shesterkin. I would take Shesterkin as the first goalie in a in a dynasty draft right now. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, if if, if Vasilevsky's number one for me, Shesterkin was number two. And I mean, he was in the heart conversation last season mm-hmm. already. So he's he's you know he's the best player in New York along with fellow Russian Panarin and. Uh, I'm interested to see how Vincent Trocek fits in there. Obviously, that's a different look at second-line center. And I think even though they're going to try and work that cap to try and reunite Artemi Panarin and Patrick Kane at the trade deadline as well, which would be huge for them if they could put uh, Patrick Kane on that top line with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad or however they work that. They got Kreider in there too. They got a lot of talent. Uh, Young defense, like you said, but strong young defense. uh, Fox, Truba. Uh, Miller, Keandre Miller, you saw the strides he mm-hmm. made in the playoffs. He's going to be a beast. Uh, young Zach Jones is good. Our, our UFFS digital athlete, Braden Schneider, is only going to be better. So uh, the Rangers are, are definitely a force. And I think Carolina, Dean, I look at, keep looking at that Carolina depth chart. They could have a third line, potentially, Dean, of uh, Jordan Stahl centering uh, Paul Stastny and a healthy Max Pacioretty by Christmas. That's your <laughs> third line. Those guys were... First liners not too many years ago. There, it's a veteran line, but again, that top six in Carolina is awesome. Brent Burns added to the defense. I think Carolina. I did have the Rangers winning that division, the Metro division, in my NHL predictions, but Carolina right there, neck and neck with them. And uh, I think we'll see that rematch in the playoffs again. The second. All right, let's get back to our uh, fearless predictions and uh, Maddie Beniers. I don't think a lot went right for Seattle last year, right from the very start. I mean, the Bentley Jacks blew them out of the water when it came to the expansion and everything. But this is going to be a different story. Uh, They really look buttoned down defensively, so... Hint, Seattle goalies might be popular and valuable this year. And they got a couple of guys that that could vie. We're going to feature Seattle later in our Dauber Hockey preview. They have a few guys that could vie for the Calder, including Mr. Matty Beniers, uh, who, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously is, 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 is a, a franchise player. And they got another guy, in my opinion, who is a franchise player. So I think while Seattle laid an egg last year, the two guys they have in Beneers and Wright, I would build a franchise around these guys any day. Absolutely. Great one-two punch down the middle. I don't know if, if Shane Wright will be uh, an everyday player in the NHL as a rookie or if how, how Ron Francis is really going to try and ease him into the NHL. I know he said he expects him to spend the season in Seattle, but Matty Beneers played uh, most of last year at Michigan and, and got some international tournaments in and then came out and... Uh, uh, was a star down the stretch for Seattle. And you can tell in the preseason, he's put on more muscle. I think he's even more explosive. He looks like a guy that can drive play as a true rookie this year. And uh, I know Owen Power, his, his Michigan teammate's going to be up there in the the, the Calder uh, race. But I think if, if Matty Beneers can get Seattle within, you know, 10 points of the wild card race, and that's a huge jump. And I, I think it's possible. I think Seattle's forward group now is at least three lines deep. But I think... This year's Seattle team looks a lot like Vegas's expansion team. Four, four lines deep up front. You mentioned Philip Grubauer as a bounce-back candidate. I'm definitely buying on that. 
I think uh, that's one of the reasons why Brutes are going to be so much better in the UFHL and, and be a playoff team because they have Philip Grubauer and he went from, you know, Vesna candidate to worst goalie in the league. He's going to be somewhere in the middle at least. But I really think that the, they don't have a ton of like, the, their stars are their young guys, Beneers and Wright. But uh, I just look at that forward group in Seattle and, and you'll see it on the, the Dauber uh, line combos today, Dean, how deep that team is. And you're going to be like, wow, maybe... Maybe they can make a, a push. I mean, I think Vancouver, Vegas are still ahead of them in the, the push for a wild card spot, but I think Seattle's not that far behind. And uh, if you really wanted a bold, bold prediction, I'm not the guy to make it, but somebody's hmm. going to say Seattle's going to make the playoffs. EA Sports, they ran their simulator, their, their playoff simulation, which tends to have pretty good results. They picked Seattle as a playoff team. So EA's made the bold prediction. I think some other... Uh, between today and tomorrow when more predictions come out, I think somebody's going to step up and say Seattle's my boldest prediction as a playoff team thanks to a guy like Maddie Beneers and, and they might just be right Dean I, I I'm not sleepless on Seattle <laughs> love it <laughs> absolutely love it uh, it will be an interesting st- to see I, those rookies are going to be a fascinating study in how you're right how they bring those guys along all right uh, coach of the year is the Jack Adams trophy and you're you're all in on the Oilers, which we know you're a big Oilers fan. I have a hard time disagreeing with this pick because he has so many great weapons at his disposal. Uh, he seems to really have the buy-in from the players, um, you know, and they have a goaltender, which I do not think they've had. And that's one thing an Oiler coach, in my opinion, in a long time has not had. And Jay Woodcroft won the poll for best looking coach in the NHL. So we had to get him on we had to get him on a graphic, Dean. Best looking coach in the NHL, Jay Woodcroft. But I also think, Dean, I you know, I love when coaches can add insight in their post-game interviews, pre-game. You know, again, obviously if, if things start going a little sideways, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the adversity. But as far as uh, his conferences and his knowledge, his insight into the game. Uh, I love the way Jay Woodcroft thinks the game. I love what he's done with Dylan Holloway in the preseason, giving him the, the top six push and, and the fact he's potentially starting with Dreisaitl and Hyman. I think that's great. I think he's confident in his young guys. He knows a lot of them from Bakersfield. Uh, so he's been in the system for a while. I think he's been ready to be an NHL coach for a long time. He finally got that opportunity, taking over midseason from Dave Tippett. Obviously took the Oilers to the conference final last year. Like you said, Mike Smith had some up and down moments in the playoffs. I thought Jack Campbell was great against Tampa Bay for Toronto in that playoff series, including game seven. He was safe for save with Vasilevsky. I think that's a huge confidence boost for, for Campbell uh, in Toronto game seven, the pressure of that game. Uh, and yeah, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl stay healthy, I really think Edmonton now has three scoring lines with Nugent Hopkins on that third line. Uh, and, and again, I think the defense, a, a guy like Brett Kulak's really impressed me. Ever since he got to Edmonton, I think he could be a bona fide top four guy. And I really think Ken Holland, again, whether it's Jacob Chitron uh, as a defenseman, whether it's Patrick Kane as a forward, I think the Oilers feel this is their first of four years. Dreisaitl has three years left on his deal. McDavid has four years left. This is the window to win. I think they're all in. And I think uh, a big part of the success starts with the coaching staff and starts with Jay Woodcroft. So I really do think he's going to contend for uh, the Jack Adams as the NHL's coach of the year. Uh, one thing we should point out, uh, fantasy GMs, NHL teams, and fans fall in love with their own teams as well. I I like the, I hope Kulak works out that way. I just hope it wasn't just an excitement of a, a playoff run and he reverts to a, a, ta- a bottom pairing guy. But you're right. And... I'm, I'm not a fan of the three scoring lines. I just want to see Nugent Hopkins in that top six and load up your top six, but we'll see. We'll probably see a lot of that throughout the year at different times. It's not like, name me one coach in hockey history who has ever stuck with any kind of lines or anything. So the blender will come out as it does with every coach. And We had the MACT blender, we had the uh, McClellan blender, and we'll see the Woodcroft blender uh, as well at, at some point. All right, so that's the player awards and the individual awards. We should say coaches as well. Let's get to some team predictions now. And I asked you for one team in the playoffs and one team out of the playoffs in in each conference. You gave me a little bit more. I only had room on the graphic for this, but you can go with some of the other teams that you think will make it in and out in the conference as well. Yeah, I'll start in the West because I only have the the one there. I really think Bruce Boudreaux's track record in the regular season, Dean, he's 
uh, you know, well above 500. He's one of the winning, he might still have the winningest uh, regular season coaching percentage. I think he'll find a way to get the Vancouver Canucks into that playoff mix. Uh, and somebody has to fall out. So I took the Dallas Stars out. No disrespect to Pete Dubor and, and the, the young talent they're breaking in in Dallas. But I think Vancouver could be the, the team that comes in in the West. And then over in the East team, uh, I'll focus on these two for sure. Uh, the, the Florida Panthers, reigning president's mm. trophy winners. If you're looking for a bold prediction, uh, Florida fall at going from president's trophy winner to out of the playoffs is certainly bold. Uh, especially if Aaron Ekblad was supposed to suffer another injury. I think that defense is in trouble. I'm not a huge Paul Maurice fan. I think there's a goaltending controversy brewing already. Uh, and, and so many new faces up front. It's going to be interesting how the chemistry shakes out. Uh, Vice, on the other side, I think the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dean, uh, you know, I, I don't know on the coaching front how things will work there uh, with a, a relatively new head coach still. Uh, and not a big personality like John Tortorella, but I really think the talent on paper, the Blue Jackets bring in, uh, you know, now Patrick Laine extended. I think he's he's primed for a 50-goal season. If someone's going to take a run at Austin Matthews, it might be Patrick Laine in all honesty. Mm-hmm. He might be my number two for the, the Rocket Richard. Johnny Gaudreau obviously being there now. Uh, among other additions, I really like Columbus. I think Columbus makes the playoffs. And I kind of added a couple more, Dean. I had, uh, I think, Washington. And Boston might miss the playoffs as well. Two more kind of bold predictions. I'm really on the bandwagon of the Ottawa Senators and the the Detroit Red Wings on that upstart Atlantic. And I don't think the Buffalo Sabres are too far behind. Had they done something uh, a little different with their goaltending, I might have had them in the playoff mix as well. But I love the parity in both these leagues. And so I'm taking four new playoff teams in the NHL, Dean, and five new playoff teams in the UFHL. So... Pretty crazy if we get between the two leagues, you have nine new playoff teams out of 18. That's half the half the playoff field would, it would change over uh, from, from one year to the next. So, or uh, sorry, that'd be nine out of 32. But yeah, still a, a big a big prediction to see that many new playoff teams uh, in either league. Yeah, that would be, movement is good. Movement is good uh, every year. And, you know, it uh, forces teams not to be stagnant. And you can't be stagnant in the NHL or the UFHL. So, when it comes to the final, um, you can t- tell us how each team gets there as far as the final four, but here is your final two, and then you can tell us who you think wins the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Dean, I got the, the Edmonton Oilers again. I think Jay Woodcroft uh, showed in the playoffs last year, especially in that Calgary series. He knows his in-game management is a skill. He can tell when guys are hot, when guys are feeling it, and guys... When he knows when to, when to start that blender and, and which buttons to press. So I really think uh, Edmonton is the team to beat in the West. I think, uh, although Colorado defending champion, hard to say they're not the team to beat. I really think on paper, and, and again, maybe this is the, the homer growing up in a family of Oilers fans, but I think Edmonton is a better team on paper outside of the defense. Colorado gets the, the, the big check mark for defense, but forwards and goaltending, I side with Edmonton. Uh, I think they have more depth up front and, and certainly a, a more steady, proven goaltender now that I think uh, Edmonton could beat Colorado in a rematch in the, the Western Conference Final. And the Eastern Conference, Dean, I have a rematch in the East. My final four, even though I predicted uh, four new playoff teams in the NHL, my final four is the same as last year. Uh, no suspense there. I have Tampa again beating the Rangers in that Vasilevsky-Shesterkin-Russian goaltending duel. Uh, again, I took Vasilevsky for the business. So I really think Tampa-Edmonton in the final. And my winner, Dean, is the Edmonton Oilers, the 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Edmonton over Tampa Bay in seven games. Game seven would be in Edmonton. I think Edmonton has more regular season points than Tampa Bay this year. I think Edmonton wins that Pacific Division and goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Well, uh, as the haunch said, uh, not surprising. It would be Edmonton uh, that that you would pick. And listen, I, I I have a hard time disagreeing with you. I I grew up an Oilers fan. Um, I would like to see the Winnipeg Jets have more success. But when I look at this Oilers roster, you could have two fifty goal scorers on it. Uh, the depth is there. If they get the goaltending, if Broberg can step in and Bouchard, if you know, there's there's some ifs. Every team has some ifs. I think the Oilers have more ifs than the Calgary Flames, personally. Um, but it's going to be fun. The Battle of Alberta is back after we all thought it was dead when Kachuk wanted out. So that's the. I think that's the great thing about this offseason is teams that you you thought sucked 
or we're going to suck like Ottawa, Montreal, they got better. Um, there's teams that took a step back for sure. But right now is when optimism reigns supreme for all 32 NHL and all 32 UFHL teams. So they should enjoy it while they can. Absolutely, Dean. And I think we'll have some surprises this year. Uh, even though I have the same final four, I think there'll be surprises along the way, uh, both in the NHL and the UFHL. I think we'll see some new playoff teams. I think we'll see some some breakout stars. And uh, I just can't wait for the season to start, Dean. Uh, this is, like I said, this is Christmas Eve. And uh, wishing all the best and all the success to, to all 32 franchises in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League this season, including Duckman's domination. I hope you guys can make things interesting in that Legends Conference and, and within the Or Division. Yeah, well, we might have to hit up Kyle Hall. Everybody's for sale, uh, so we'll have to. It's like sounds like a wrestling slogan or something. We'll have to hit up Kyle. But Larry, awesome to chat with you again. Uh, we wouldn't be here without the amazing work you did. Uh, I hope we certainly get things uh, back on track and uh, we can do this more regularly again. But everybody misses you, man. So thanks so much for joining us. Don't be a stranger and uh, enjoy the season starting tomorrow. Sounds good, Dean. Thanks for having me again and all the best this season. You betcha. There's Larry Fisher, uh, the insider uh, for UFHL teams, the encyclopedia of knowledge, and so fun to talk. Like We went so much longer than I have to apologize to Larry later. We went way later uh, than I expected. So so just now, I, I got to roll into our previews because we got Jamie Thomas coming up in 12 minutes. So let's get right to it. Larry said the Kraken are going to be better than you think. Well, that's not hard. They weren't good last year. And, and, and when he said, when he referred to them as being closer to uh, that, that Vegas team um, than maybe the uh, Seattle team from last year, I think he's right. Uh, I mean, when you when you look at this roster, um, I think Matty Beniers uh, has a real opportunity uh, to do some special things in the league this year. As Larry uh, had pointed out, he thinks he's going to win the Calder Trophy. Um, I think that uh, Matty Beniers could end up leading this team in scoring. Uh, it it you know some things certainly need to go right. But I certainly think that's a possibility. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand is an interesting player who has had some success, was a terrific junior player in in Portland. Uh, And maybe this is the opportunity where he's going to get to play with Matty Beneers, most likely, to start the season. And I like Vince Dunn. I like Vince Dunn uh, as another guy who was buried behind other guys uh, in St. Louis at times. Uh, so, again, I don't know if this team is going to be massively offensive. Uh, the sleeper for me is Philip Grubauer because I think they are going to be better defensively. Grubauer signed that big deal after a season in Washington, did not have a good season, especially in fantasy. And my breakout player is Shane Wright. Especially if uh, if you look at these lineups uh, in the Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, which we gave away last week. It is awesome. I look at Shane Wright with the potential to play second power play and third line minutes and really, really get sheltered minutes. I mean, Matty Beneers is going to take on every top player the other team has, and that's what he is going to be. Ron Francis is in Seattle. Matty Beneers could be their Ron Francis, a guy that, you know, Ron Francis is one of the top five scorers of all time, but also could absolutely check everything and your hat all night long. So I think Beneers is it's going to be interesting. You might see Yanni Gord taking some uh, minutes off of him at different times. I like Jaden Schwartz as a potential sleeper. Jordan Eberle. Jordan Eberle playing with Shane Wright could be a fun, fun connection. So I... I'm I'm liking this. Larry likes the Burakovsky Wenberg Bjorkstrand line. Um, Justin Schultz, an opportunity to get some uh, second power play time, and then, like I said, Philip Grubauer. This could be the year for him. You know, I don't. I'm not. I, I'm not bullish on the uh, Kraken to make the playoffs, but I do like their their uh, potential. I hope John Hayden gets some some playing time, but it's a much better looking team this year, and. We'll see certainly what happens uh, with the Kraken. They'll go this year as their young players go. 
and and that means like I'm not saying it's all on them. I'm just saying, like I think you know what you're going to get from guys like Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand. If Beniers, if Wright, if uh, Wenberg, if some of these younger players can step up, they can make a, a difference. But certainly, they can make a difference in your fantasy team. Now, here's a club on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to fantasy. And this is a plug-and-play Stanley Cup contender and fantasy contender if you target their players. My opinion, the St. Louis Blues are one of the best-built teams in the NHL and in fantasy. I mean, that top line could be absolutely bonkers for how good they could be. Tarasenko, Thomas, Pavel Budinevich. They could all be 80-point guys. Ryan O'Reilly does everything well in fantasy and puts up close to 70 points. I mean, this is a good team. Forwards, you got top nine potential. Well, Clint Costin is gone now. He was traded uh, to the Oilers. But you still have top nine potential. You have terrific blue liners. And Jordan Bennington is a good goaltender that that wins games. I don't, it's interesting. The uh, Dauber Hockey is predicting Thomas Grice to take away quite a few of those wins. I don't see that. I think Bennington is a 30-win, 35-win guy. I And I love this St. Louis team. I think they are built to win again. So if you are looking at a team, and if you, and some people like to do this. They like to take pairs and, and teams and things. Load up on the Blues. I think you're three lines deep on this team. And at least, you know, Perinovich is going to be out with surgery. That sucks. But you're three lines... And two pairs deep and a goalie. I love the Blues. I think they're a great hockey team. They're well coached. They're hard to play against. They have skill. Bullish on the Blues and the Rangers. Maybe that's a hint of my Stanley Cup final. I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away. But it's impressive. So... Once again, here's uh, Larry Fisher's uh, power rankings. Then here's the belly-up power rankings that got everybody upset, including the North Stars at 32. My, my. Like, I don't think we should be 12. I don't think we should be that high. I just love it. And here's Kyle Hall's rankings, and he is now an owner. Where did he rank the team he bought? 22. I don't think they're better than us. So... Anyway, I love the rankings. I love it when we're ranked low because it gives us, we tack it up in the Duckman's Domination Bulletin Board. And it's fuel. Give me fuel. Give me fire, you know? But seriously, if you take these rankings too seriously, you'll drive yourself crazy. You, you really will. And Larry's right. You always fall in love with your own players, man. Everybody fall. I do. You should see the expectations I have. And and I talk to Craig Button every week about this. Manage your expectations. When you draft a player, manage them. When you sign a player, man, have realistic expectations. If you don't do that in fantasy or in real hockey, you're going to be disappointed more times than not. So get realistic expectations and be smart about it. 